All right, IBMA 2022, we are back in full force and I'm joined by none other, the most gorgeous tones on the radio, <laughs> Mr. Ned Luberecki. Hey, Jamie, thanks. Uh, good to be here with you. It's great to have you here. You've been floating around. Now, you and Becky Buller played last night and you borrowed a couple of banjos. How was the show? That's what I want to know, is how was the performance? You know, the show went really fun. Uh, our record label, Dark Shadow Recording with Stephen Mojan, did a... Uh, they actually went in partners with the Henna House Prowlers with their uh, nonprofit, which is called the Bluegrass Ambassadors. And so they had a booth, and this was Dark Shadow Night. So a bunch of our artists played, Rick Ferris played, uh, and the whole band, the whole Becky Buller band wasn't here. But Becky and I have been performing sometimes as a duo. We've been calling it the All the Banjos and Then Some Duo because we bring, <laughs> I think, four banjos on the road with us for two people. I know, go figure. Uh, but it went uh, went really well. It was fun. And uh, thank you again for the loan of the banjos because we did not bring all of our banjos with us this year to Raleigh. Well, I like that that banjo to man ratio is a pretty good, pretty pretty good <laughs> ratio. I, I, I like that a lot. That's great. I came up. I, I, I didn't get to see you because it was so busy, but yeah. uh, it sounded wonderful. Uh, did you have fun? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And one of the uh, and people will ask me sometimes, I'll post pictures of all the banjos backstage or something. I'll say, why do you need so many banjos? And uh, the truth is, I don't have a capo. So if I just put one in each tuning, I can, it avoids having to capo, you know, different, no. Uh, but I mean, the truth is almost that. Uh, I do, at some point when we were making the latest band record, the Becky Buller Band, I'll uh, our producer, Stephen Mojan, asked if I had a low-tuned banjo to bring to the studio. And he's asked me that a few different times, just for that different texture that you can get with that. And I have a, uh, I have one of the original Hartford model banjos with the Grenadillo tone ring. And I guess just because I thought, well, this would be the obvious choice of one to do that with, I, I put some heavy strings on it and tuned it down to E and sometimes F. And I'll, uh, I'll use that one for that special tuning. And then I also have a resophonic banjo that we use for a special effect sometimes. But it, uh, it just gives us, it, it gives us a wider range of sounds uh, than just, you know, constantly everything just being fiddle and banjo. You get a little more depth with that low tune banjo. 100%. And then Becky was playing Clawhammer, I think. Um, she goes back and forth between that and the fiddle. Yeah, Becky's a great Clawhammer banjo player. She she would tell you otherwise, but uh, Becky's just such a terrific musician, just such a great sense of, of musicality and timing that her rhythm on Clawhammer banjo is always just so so precise. It just makes it really easy to play to. That's fantastic. Now, last time we spoke to you, I think, in any kind of detail was on Deering Live, and that would have been end of 2020 I think maybe beginning of 21 yeah so what's what's been going on what have you been up to since since we last saw you well since then of course things have started opening up so that that's been good the band has been getting back to work a bit uh, the strange thing was the first year of it you know the past year uh, we were honoring a lot of bookings that got canceled from back in 2020 of course but they didn't always come back all together so some you always try to book things as a it, even if it's small, even if it's just a weekend, you try to book them as a tour so that you can have a good three days in a row or something because, you know, it makes the money a little bit better, makes the travel a little easier. Well, not all of them came back that way. So there were a lot of one-offs where we would fly to Dallas and play one show and then back home or drive all the way to North Carolina and one show and come back. And, and that kind of, it's not the rhythm that you're used to. You're used to going out for a few days. The band gets really tight that way. And this was like we got out there and we, we played a show and we're all ready and pumped to go and then it's like well now let's go home so yeah. it's 
good that it's starting to come back to a little more normal because we can get that and when I say rhythm, I mean the rhythm of the show. You just you just feel a little better about it when you're on a on a bit of a tour. Hundred percent. Being playing multiple stints, uh, you know, three, four, five nights in a row, just that's not that's your best way to get as tight as you can be, right? Yeah. You're, you're having that stop of one night and then home for a few days. You're still based out of Tennessee, right? Yeah, I live in Nashville. Uh, Becky lives in Manchester, which is about an hour south uh, southeast of of Nashville, but we're we're all based out of that general general area. Awesome, awesome. Now, IBMA, obviously you're here every year. What do you think, why, why should people come to IBMA other than just, I mean, the fact that it's really cool, but in your opinion, why would you encourage people to attend? Well, I can tell you, uh, first of all, my history with IBMA, and I didn't realize this until, until recently, I was looking through some old paperwork and I found the first band that I came to IBMA with was Paul Adkins and the Borderline Band. Wow. And I found our, uh, when the year that we showcased in 1989, and the showcase blurb written up in the program said we did such a great job on the Fan Fest the year before. So it occurred to me once I read that, I've been, I've been coming to this since the very first one. And I have to admit, when I first came, when we first came, we didn't know what it was. We didn't understand what IBMA was going to be about or even what it was meant to be about. We just saw an opportunity for the band to come down and play for some promoters, which turned out to be a great thing. And and if, if that's all you use it for, it's great. But the contacts that you make with everybody in the industry, and, and sometimes those contacts become lifelong friends. I met Janet Deering at one of the early years of, of, of IBMA, and now, you know, we've known each other for, you know, going on decades now. You know, it's, it's uh, and, and I've had a relationship with Deering Banjos for, for that long, and, uh, and and other companies too, whether it's uh, recording companies or uh, or you know just other bands or string companies or whoever it is, uh, all those relationships. This is a this is an event where everybody comes together and is ready to discuss the business at hand. And the business is bluegrass. This is why we're here, and even more so, I'm seeing in the, in the short period of time that I've been coming to IBMA, which is a, literally I will throw my hand in the air when I'm asked, like, do you want to go do it? I'm like, yes, 100%, I love it. I love coming out here and seeing all the musicianship. It truly is an international bluegrass music association. It feels like more and more. Oh yeah, there have been some terrific international bands uh, this year. There's a band from Estonia that's really been uh, making a lot of waves. Uh, there's uh, there's bands here from Sweden. There, there are bands that have come here from all over the world. And that's actually one of the other reasons because of course, in addition to my you know playing career, I'm a DJ on Sirius XM and one of the thing, one of the reasons I come is to look for new talent, to look for bands to play on the radio. And Stephen Mojan, uh, likewise, owns a record label in addition to playing with the Sam Bush Band. So he and I will go out together, kind of for on the same mission. We're just looking for bands, and and we'll just hit the rounds, make the rounds to all the showcases. And and it's it's funny because we'll look at each other when that one band clicks. Like I remember when we ran into. Uh, for example, Full Chord, who won the Momentum Award this year. As soon as we saw those guys, we both just looked at each other and just nodded and were like, they've got something. You know, this band has really got something. We saw that with Slokin Ramblers. The first time we saw them, we just thought, they've really got something. I, You know, I think back to, and it hadn't been that many years ago because he's still so young, but I remember uh, first hearing Trey uh, Wellington play in the Deering booth. And it was either here at IBMA, probably was at IBMA, because it was here in North Carolina, but I've also seen him at the NAMM show. And you know, here was this teenage kid just 
playing way over my head, you know, banjo, and you know, he's developed into a real player, and I don't mean just a flashy kid player, he's developed into a guy that's got a lot of soul and a lot of chops, and you know, the first I ever heard of him was sitting in the hallways jamming with anybody you could here. Absolutely, and, and that's the thing, you can walk around the booths here, and the, the strange thing, we go to the NAMM show every year, and, and I say strange, the cool thing is that a lot of bands will have booth space here as well, to like exhibit themselves as a, as a band as well. We, we met the guys from uh, Hyde, from Norway last right. night, the Bluegrass Orchestra, do you get a chance to catch them? Yeah, they were amazing, wow, what a showcase they put on, indeed. Yeah, very impressive. We, we, we hung with Magnus earlier, the banjo player from there, and the, the, the contrast between bluegrass there versus, well, it's not even there, it's just, if you know it and you have YouTube, uh, you can figure it out, but it's not anything like the scene, so they're just walking around awestruck of, of what's going on. And, it's, and, and you know, again, I, I've been really lucky to have gotten to tour in Europe uh, for the past... Oh, 10 or 15 years and and there are there are some regional differences just like there are regional differences in the US that you'll hear uh, bluegrass bands have and there are some really great players from the Czech Republic from other parts of Europe uh, from Germany and the Hyde Bluegrass Orchestra, it's interesting that they use orchestra in their name, they have an orchestral sound. Now when you look at the band it's standard bluegrass instrumentation for the most part and and you watch them play and you think well how are they making this sound like more people than they are right. but uh, it, it is orchestrated that way it's a, it, it is an amazing sound yeah yeah they definitely seem to be making some waves at this particular IBMA which is great and Rebecca won vocalist of the year which was awesome her momentum awards yesterday so very cool where do you, where do you see bluegrass going because I know you're you're pretty progressive you'll play a whole range of, of traditional and more progressive bluegrass and, and instrumentation uh, songs on your show but where, I mean where do you see that direction going from here well you know it's interesting I had a discussion every now and then I, I run into somebody that you know they listen to the radio show and they don't like the more progressive stuff and, and I understand that everybody's got their own taste in things uh, the thing I always try to warn people about is to remember that we only have one bluegrass channel so we need to share it we need to try to you know show the entire breadth and width of the music uh, and for example, I always say if there were still record stores, uh, it, you would find Elvis Presley and Metallica both in the rock section. They're very different, but nobody seems to argue that they're both rock. Uh, so in bluegrass, yeah, you can find the Poe Ramblin' Boys and the infamous String Dusters, and you can still call it bl both bluegrass. If one of them is more to your liking than the other, that's fine. Uh, it is, it, it is interesting because, you know, I'll hear people say, well, you know, like that so-and-so or so-and-so. And if you think about Billy Strings, well, look at his set lists he posts after his concerts sometimes. It's half Stanley Brothers. You know, Billy Strings is a bluegrass guy. Yeah. Now, he's got a big light show, and they're playing to sold-out audiences, but the people are going nuts over pretty standard stuff, you know, just played loud. So I, I, I don't think that's a bad direction for bluegrass to go. Uh, you know, hey, I'd love to play to those sold-out crowds. <laughs> hey, any booking agents out there, I can play that stuff too. Come on, have me, have right. me, will you? <laughs> Billy Strings, if you need a new banjo player, Ned, Ned is on call for I'm you. Ready. No I'm problem. ready, put me in, coach. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I saw I, a few people have brought Billy Strings up in the course of the day as that example, right, of oh, hello, somebody who's uh, he's setting out arenas across the world right now, and he's playing with everybody from Willie Nelson through to Post Malone and rappers and all kinds of crossover kind of genres is like, I think it's a good thing overall I think it's going to introduce people to the genre 
and hopefully they will want to dig a little deeper into into its origins, right? Oh, exactly, because you know he'll he'll do songs with Del McCurry or Larry Sparks, and you know that's how the Del McCurry band kind of made their big splash when Fish said that they were listening to Del McCurry, and that got so many Fish fans into into bluegrass and and created that sort of crossover. So I don't think people who are uh, I, it. I guess the thing that confuses me is why people are worried about it. You know, it's not like, you know, if somebody decides to go out and play music in a slightly different style, it's not hurting the style that came before it. You know, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean if somebody decides to play the infamous String Dusters music that Bill Monroe goes away for some reason. The right. Poe Ramblin' Boys are going to keep playing straight up traditional bluegrass as fast as they can, and they're going to start keep growing big crowds like they are because people still love that too. Right. So it's not it's a big it's a big world. There's room for all of it. There's room to be shared, right? I think we've got enough to, to go around for sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, what's next for Ned? What are you, what are you up to over the next uh, remainder of the year and beyond? Oh, man. Gee whiz, we are, uh, we're headed out. I wish we could stay for the weekend here. We're headed out. We've got gigs, uh, so we won't be here for the festival for IBMA. But we have a few more uh, to finish out the show, or to finish out the year with the band. Becky and I have a few more duo uh, dates that we're uh, we're doing and that that mostly came about because we have a couple guys in the band who have day jobs so we just thought well you know for some of the smaller venues that want us and they can't afford to get the whole band Becky and I can go out and do it and uh, and it, it works pretty well and we've been having fun doing that every once in a while Nedsky and Mojo still book a gig but it, we're both so busy with other things it's uh, few and far between but we always have fun when we do that's fantastic. And you're on social and all that. Where can people oh, find you? Yeah, everybody can find me. Netski.com will get you there. Netski.com will link you to everything. Well, Nelly Brecky, we appreciate you. We love you. We'll see you again, hopefully next year, if not sooner. Indeed. Thanks, Jamie. All right. That was great.